0: Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We just wanted to stop by and say thank you for making 2022 an incredible year. We had lots of great episodes, lots of great conversations, a few interviews even that were really exciting and we hope that you enjoyed uh, but this is the final episode of the 2022 calendar year, and it is a best of episode. This is one of the most downloaded episodes from 2022. It's one that you guys really enjoyed. There were lots of comments and, uh, you know, even further questions raised out of this episode. You know, we we uh, a few weeks after the original recording here, we we talked about dinosaurs more generally and what they were and what happened to them. Uh, but this episode was one that Lucas loved, one that I loved, one that you loved, and so we're, we're throwing it back. Uh, so we hope that you're doing, doing well. We hope you have a good Christmas, a good New Year, and we will see you fresh in 2023 with some great content. Until then, peace be with you.
1: the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock.
0: And I am Jens Nelson, or Jens Nelson. This is, Jens Nelson, exactly. This is a
1: podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us, or thank you for joining us, or welcome to joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Whether you're new or whether you're not, this is an exciting one to tune into. We are in the, the thick of... July's uh, Mystery Month, true crime-inspired uh, noir theme song, credit to the uh, inimitable artistic genius that is Richie Rust, mm. um, who is always, uh, you know, knocking it out of the park with our variations on our theme, but uh, we are back. We If you tuned in last week, we covered a mystery quote unquote. We, we investigated a case and cracked the case of the uh, woman caught in adultery. We got into issues of canonicity, inspiration a little bit what what how do, you know what's up with the, with the, the text of the Bible as we have it and how do we how do we get it and all that kind of stuff. Um, and this week we're back with a new mystery which we have both, I believe it's safe to say, been very excited for. Uh, since we first sort of hatched the idea for this themed month, and you know, I mean, this is going to be something of a you know, kind of a monstrous topic to cover. It's going mean, to be it's a huge. little bit, it's gigantic. It's it's, it's uh, it's going to be tough to to fit it all into one episode. It's going to be a an absolute behemoth of of a conversation, um, but. We're gonna try to, you know, cover this Leviathan together.
0: Mm. That was horrible. That worked. That <laughs> worked so
1: well. We're talking about um, two different, but I think it will become clear why very related uh, figures in that that make appearances in the Hebrew Bible. We we are talking about the beasts. You know, it's a sort of loosely categorize them of behemoth and leviathan which are probably words that are not they might not be everyday <laughs> vocabulary but i'm sure we've all heard things described as being you know a leviathan or a behemoth or you know we've we've heard those words and we have some idea of these like gargantuan beastly creatures um even if we aren't necessarily as immediately aware of what their appearances in the bible are or we maybe we know that they're in there somewhere but we can't remember what is said about them or whatever but we are going to cover both of them because they are i think basically two the they're kind of two uh instances of the same sort of mysterious phenomenon right they're We'll explain more about their identities in terms of defining them, and then that I think will lead to why I think we'll both come to the conclusion that these are basically they they should be covered together instead of doing an episode on Behemoth or Leviathan. It made more sense to do an episode on both of them. Um, So without you know bad segues and further ado. Do you do you want to start with kind of running through where these guys or gals show up in the texts of the Hebrew Bible or do we want to start maybe with more like who are they or what are they or yep. do you have some kind of like anecdotal personal story about either of these that you want to share or
0: For sure, I'll start with do you want an, to start? Yeah, I'll start with an anecdotal story and then the way that I sort of framed this discussion was to talk about behemoth and then to talk about leviathan and then you know sort of talk about them together because like you said they're almost like two you know one side of the coin one's the other side heads and tails or however you want to say that Um, two sides of the same coin but but yeah so I, i i would like to first start with my little anecdote Um, and I think this is, this is going to be, I I think we'll see by the end, uh, what these creatures are, uh, but growing up my, my assumption, or maybe it was someone that taught this to me, or, or maybe I heard it in Sunday school somewhere, but growing up, my assumption was that these were dinosaurs, that these were, uh, you know, ancient creatures that have long been extinct, but that existed in the old Testament. Uh, they died either in the flood or shortly thereafter, um, but that's the only way that we could have an explanation. Um, as we'll read in a second, I'll read part of Job 40 that describes the behemoth in particular. Um, and, and, and some translations over the, the last several hundred years, you know, they'll, they'll call this an elephant or a rhinoceros or a hippopotamus. And there have been other, uh, you know, other suggestions on what this animal could be or might be. But not all of those animals fit the description that is found in Job. So maybe we'll just start by reading Job, uh, because that's one of the most prominent examples of of the behemoth in in Scripture. And if you believe that Job was written sometime maybe between Genesis 11 and 12, it's probably the first instance in which we, or by we I mean people, uh, heard about the behemoth in Scripture directly. Um, So Job 40, starting specifically in verse 15, it says, Look at Behemoth, which I made along with you. And I should mention, this is God. This is from the mouth of God talking to Job. Look at Behemoth, which I made along with you. He eats grass like cattle. Look at the strength of his back and the power and the muscles of his belly. He stiffens his tail like a cedar tree. The tendons of his thighs are woven firmly together his bones are bronze tubes. His limbs are like iron rods. He is the foremost of God's works. Only his maker can draw the sword against him. The hills yield food for him while all sorts of wild animals play there. He lies under the lotus plants, hiding in the protection of marshy reeds. Lotus plants cover him with their shade. Uh, the willows by the brooks surround him. Though the rivers rage, behemoth is unafraid. He remains confident, even if the Jordan surges up to his mouth. Can anyone capture him while he looks on or pierce his nose with snares? So again, a pretty, a pretty uh, large animal, if you will. This is an animal of great substance. Uh, Only God is able to tame him. Man has not been able to do so. I mean the strength of his back, the power in his muscles, his tail being stiff like a cedar tree. That for me, I think, has always been that the verse that makes me feel like there's no way it's an elephant. Have you ever seen an elephant's tail? It's just like this little, like, whipping around little like pigtail almost, especially compared to the mammoth size of an elephant. Um, but regardless, this is a very large creature, and from Job. Again, from this, from from the mouth of God, we can at least determine, maybe, unless unless we want to take this passage poetically, which I don't necessarily think we have to. Um, but he, God tells Job, I made this animal along with you. So when God created the other animals, when he, uh, when he went to go create man, uh, it, it seems like Behemoth was there. So was was the Behemoth, whatever this creature is, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. I mean it kind of seems like it based on what God says right there in verse 15 and 16 um but yeah I, that that's that's sort of like to to me the, the passage you go to first when you want to talk about about Behemoth um he, he it's this this beast of a, of a character he shows up a couple of times but most prominent here um but he he's this almost like primordial i don't know if that's the right word but like this this prehistoric almost uh chaos monster um and like like lucas has already alluded to it is it is um uh paired and and connected to the other chaos monster the leviathan um so we have the behemoth on land and leviathan in the water these two creatures that are very mysterious shrouded in like uncertainty
1: Chaos is going to be super important in understanding what's going on with Leviathan, in my opinion. Yep. But before we scooch over there, yeah, it was, like, oh, it was I was—I actually find I, I find Behemoth a lot harder to make sense of. Agreed. Ironically, yeah, um, than Leviathan, uh, and and I'll make my case for that for why I think at least it, it there seems to be a, a relatively clear understanding of of what leviathan's probably all about but what's really interesting or or some of the interesting things to to think about with behemoth is like obviously there there's this description where you 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 think about you know in more modern times the traditional explanations of a hippo or an elephant or something like that like these very big powerful um you know you know like like you said, substantial creatures that, that we're aware of that, you know, maybe this is a a way of, of, of describing them. It's like, you know, ancient people weren't stupid, like they weren't unable to describe a hippo, or an elephant. So I think that kind of like, and I'm I'm glad, you know, you brought up the dinosaur thing earlier, I I think it's the same kind of thing, like, that's certainly plausible to, to think, oh, you know, like, there's this creature that seems to match up with most of this description, and, you know, so this is a a word that we don't quite understand, but here's the, the description that's defining it. You know, it seems like they're talking about this or whatever. But, like, I feel like that's... that's I'm not saying that that's impossible or that's, that's you know, certainly not what's going on, but I don't think that's what's going on, and it seems to me to be a very modern um, attempt to... Have scripture fulfill certain kinds of, you know, roles or fit certain kinds of functional boxes that we have as modern people for texts or for, you know, um, history or for words or whatever. And I I just I think it's a very modern thing that doesn't make any sense and it's totally unnecessary if we're reading scripture on its own terms. And if we're asking, like, what are those terms? I, I think... The thing that's helpful about this passage in Job forty is that the, the the terms are very obvious about what's going on in Job forty. Like if you remember the story of Job, where 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 we're at the point where God has appeared to to Job to confront him and his friends, or you know, will really confront Job um, after Job and his friends have been going back and forth for a long time to confront Job about his grumbling. To he, he is confronting Job and and. He is saying you are you are you i am i am who i am i am god and you know who are you to talk to me about you know to make sense of these supernaturally inexplicable things that have happened to to job you know what i mean um who are you because i am the one who created behemoth and here's here's this description of behemoth and there there are i can't remember if it's after this or before this um, but I actually remember a, a sermon at Moody uh, that was all about this. There, There's this, these remarkable chapters where God is going through all of these different animals. And he's saying, I made this, and anim- I can't remember all, you know, I made this jackal that does this, and I made this bird that, that flies over here. And I, and he's, just, you know, it's this, it's this expansive sort of, uh, you know, superlative description of, of God's power and, and, Sovereign authority over his creation, and especially we see that with with Behemoth, because he's not just a jackal or a hyena or a, a vulture or whatever, but he's he's this he's this uh, you know massively powerful beast, um, and it's really clear that that's that's what what's going on in the story of Job, and in the the Book of Job at this point. Um, so the 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 purpose of behemoth being brought up in this way, I think is really clear just in in the course of reading the text. Um, That doesn't necessarily get us any closer to identifying what quote unquote, a behemoth is. Um, I think that's the wrong question to be asking. And I think that'll make more sense again, not to be, you know, coy, but I think once we talk about Leviathan, it'll, the, the connections will be made clear also what's really kind of funny is the word behemoth is just the plural word for beasts like it's not it's not a mysterious word "Behemah" is not a mysterious word and behemoth is the is the plural it's a feminine word oat is the feminine plural ending in hebrew and so it's it's literally beasts now it's also obvious in the text of job that he, he's not talking about like Look at the beasts that I created. They do this, this, and this because they're these singular. You know, look at look at Behemoth. He does this and he plays with the whatever, and his tail is like this. Um, and without necessarily getting too far down that road, like there's this idea that you know I've I've some people say it about or have said it at least about why uh, the word for God Elohim when it is ascribed to um, the god of of the Old Testament why is it plural Elohim is that plural ending it's like saying God's but it's talking about one God um, and some people have said there's this there's this uh, characteristic of Hebrew to to make things plural to indicate that they're like the highest of it um, maybe that's what's going on with with Behemoth. So it's like, we're talking about this beast that is so, so like the pinnacle of what it means to be a beast that the name for it is just beasts. You know, like God is the King of Kings. Behemoth is the beast of beasts, maybe. Um, Again, that makes sense. I'm not gonna say that that can't be it. I don't know that that has to be the answer, but I think the point is we see the purpose of this discussion of Behemoth. I think clarifies like wh- the image that's being evoked is not oh you know we just got to figure out what you know <laughs> what animal the author of Job was trying really hard to describe and did it in such a way that it doesn't quite fit. That seems like a that seems like a silly way to approach this, um, especially when you take into account the context in a broader sense of. Um, not just you know, primarily ancient Near Eastern, but but also, as we'll see, um, broader uh, cultural connotations with these, uh, you know, beastly sort of massive uh, forces of just you know destruction and terror and, and strength uh, that I think Behemoth falls into, and uh, Leviathan is a, is a much clearer example of. So I think it might be a good time to move on to sort of talking about Leviathan, if unless you've got something else to add uh, about, you know, Behemoth specifically. But, but Leviathan shows up in a few more places. Um, Job 41, the entire chapter, the next chapter, is devoted entirely to talking about Leviathan. Um, it's a similar kind of thing in tone where... It seems to be God saying, like, look at Leviathan, and he, and he's giving descriptions of Leviathan and all these things that Leviathan does, um, and how that's all under basically you know under God's thumb, right? And and how that 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 insanely powerful coiled, twisting serpent of the sea um, is not somehow outside of God's uh, purview and power and authority um, because it's a whole chapter. Instead of reading that, um, I think maybe some some shorter sections uh, are worth reading. Um, One that gives, or a couple that give like um, somewhat of an actual description of Leviathan. They both come from the Psalms. Um, So Psalm 74, verses 12 through 17 says, God, my king, is from ancient times performing saving acts on the earth. You divided the sea with your strength. You smashed the heads of the sea monsters in the water. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You fed him to the creatures of the desert. You opened up springs and streams. You dried up ever-flowing rivers. The day is yours, also the night. You established the moon and the sun. You set all the boundaries of the earth. You made summer and winter. So again, you got this expansive, creative, powerful ascriptions to God. Um, and in that process, you're getting a description of a Leviathan as as this, this <laughs> multi-headed sea monster uh, that was fed <laughs> to other creatures. Um, And then again, in Psalm 104, verses 24 to 26, How countless are your works, Lord! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, vast and wide, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships move about, and Leviathan, which you formed to play there. So again, this idea of God's creative um, sort of, you know, um, what is the word I'm looking for, like, Leviathan and Behemoth belong to God in a sense. Um, he made them. He he's the one who put them where they are. And then finally, Isaiah twenty-seven one in a less um, in a different context. Um, it, it's it's not necessarily referring to to primarily like God's power and works in the sense of his his creation, um, but he's prophesying about the Lord's uh, you know vengeance on 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 his enemies. On that day, the Lord, with his relentless, large, strong sword, will bring judgment on Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent. He will slay the monster that is in the sea. So really interesting and kind of just enigmatic on the surface references to this twisting, multi-headed, sea-dwelling monster, serpent guy. (laughs) Um,
0: What's up with that? what do you what do you yeah i don't what's up (laughs) I, i i wish i knew and this is i i i'm always intrigued by these things i i love the the some of the mystery to it not for the sake of like wanting to know exactly what this creature is like oh it's a you know this is the loch ness monster or something like i i i like sometimes reading those speculations and those ideas simply because it's interesting to to see what people think um, but I like that. I, I like what you said about Behemoth and the reason why it matters. And and very similarly, because I mean, it follow like you said, Job forty is about Behemoth and Job forty one is about Leviathan, um, and it's and it's God making this point that like, you know, who are you, O oh man? I am the creator of all these things. I'm the one who who made them who sustains them, who governs everything. I'm the one with the power to control them. I I, I mean, the the description in Job 41, can you pull the Leviathan with a hook or tie his tongue down with a rope? And so, you know, people that lived in the the ancient world who are maybe more familiar with with fishing and with the sea, um, they knew what it was like to to be out in the waters and to do this. Um, And then when you go a little bit further down, this thing... um, this thing just starts to get so crazy. Um, it talks about the rows of scales, how they're, they're sealed closely together. One scale is so close to another that no air can pass between them. Uh, his snorting flashes with light. Uh, flaming torches shoot from his mouth. Fiery sparks fly out. Smoke billows from his nostrils as from a boiling pot. His breath sets coals ablaze and flames pour out of his mouth. Like the the more that this thing is described, it almost sounds like a dragon. Like when we, when we think of like in our, our modern, uh, articulation of like a, a fiery serpent that can shoot flames out of its mouth. Um, but like at, at the end of the day, like it, God is saying, like, I am the one who is still sovereign even over this massive sea creature that is beyond your comprehension, um, And so for me, as, as I understand that, as I, as I think about my own life and I think about the, the relative, um, uh, like how relatively tame my life is. It's not like I go out in the wild and even encounter like lions or bears or anything. Like I don't, I don't live in a part of the world where I see creatures like that. When I, when I step out my door, quite literally, I'll probably see a squirrel or a bird. Sometimes we see a deer across the street in this like taller grassy area that's kind of wooded um but it's like that's like the extent of my experience of going out into the world and seeing creatures now i've mentioned on air even recently how much uh the open water just absolutely fills me with terror and dread like i i don't i don't like bodies of water just because like they're usually pretty gross and it's like you never know what's swimming beneath you but like you're never gonna catch me out in the middle of the ocean like on the seas. I can't believe that people sailed from Europe to the North and South America. Like that blows my mind. But when, when you think about, you know, think about stories like Moby Dick or um, other like sea creature and sea monster epics, like there's a reason that those that those stories exist, because there's a there's a reality that the that the deep is so unknown to us. Even now, even in our modern world, we know so little about parts of the ocean and, and what dwell there, what reside there. Um, and so there's something like terror, terrifying about it. And that, and I think that's part of the point that, that God is trying to make, especially in Job, like this creature that dwells in the deep, this, this sea creature that is so mammoth and so frightening and terrifying, um, that, that you cannot control, um, this thing that is filled with chaos, just like your life i am sovereign over um and so in in the midst of chaos god is even almost giving job assurance or comfort like as i as i govern this creature so i govern you and i know the number of hairs on your head i i know you intimately um but i don't know i i, I think i think one of the things I'll, I'll touch on here next is is simply um Uh, leviathan and behemoth in, in different schools of thought, whether that's Jewish thought or Christian thought or, or whatever. Um, this, this is, this I find really interesting. Um, the, so Jerome, we, we, we've talked about Jerome, um, Jerome comments on Psalm 104 26, um, saying that about leviathan that this is the dragon that was cast out of paradise that beguiled eve and is permitted in this world to make sport of us how many monks and clerics has it dashed headlong they all look to you uh to give them food in due time for all the creatures of god live at his bidding um super i I wish i had like the fuller context of that passage but like as i was reading a couple different um uh like articles and and in little bits about Leviathan. I saw that twice that little bit about, about Jerome saying that this Leviathan is the dragon or the serpent that was cast out of, out of Eden. Um, That, that I found fascinating.
1: And that I wanted to bring up where, where else do we see um, a dragon? I think of revelation. Yep. And um, the dragon is very clearly identified uh, with the serpent, from Genesis in in the Book of Revelation, um, if I'm remembering that correctly, I believe I am. And what's more, um, it, so the re like serpents, um, you know, flaming, flying serpents. Um, that's what that basically that that's what the seraphim look like. If you look at like ancient sources and and angelology and stuff. Um, and I believe there's a tradition that, that Satan was a seraph because the seraphim are the ones that are closest to, you know, we see in Isaiah six, they're closest to the throne, um, closest to the divine essence. And, um, and so you see this, I, I don't think he's, 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 you know, I don't think Jerome's off. Um, I think that, um. And and there's even more that I think substantiates that substantiates that uh, when we take into account the broader presence of Leviathan in ancient Near Eastern culture, um, as a you know either god or, or servant of a god um, in pagan religion, and we see this in especially in um, the the Baal cycle, um, so Yam is, is, the, is the goddess of the sea and Baal basically is, is fighting against Yom and defeats Lotan, which is the, which comes from the same Semitic root uh, that we have Leviathan, um, the coiled serpent who is like Yom's like sort of pet monster, vicious, you know, servants or whatever. Um, and you see this, this theme, so you have you have Baal defeating Lotan. You have you know from a from you know bear with me. Um, we see we see Baal Hadad defeats Lotan in the Baal cycle. In the Hebrew Bible, we see da- Yahweh defeating Leviathan. Uh, I think it's in the Enuma Elish, Marduk defeats the Tiamat. Defeats Tiamat. Um, you have this this um, order and chaos uh, theme, sort of this motif that recurs across. Um, Religious myth and text. You've got Zeus slays Typhon in in, in Greece. Uh, Thor fights against Jörmungandr. Um, apparently, I don't know if I'm saying that right. And even in the Vedas, you have this battle between Indra and Vitra. Um, and so there's this. And, and in in the study of of like comparative religions, this is called a chaos comp chaos struggle theme myth theme like a, like a theme of of these myths and. I'm not saying that the the Old Testament is is just, you know, cribbing from some sort of, you know, primordial story that you know, that means we can just do away with because a bunch of people all had similar stories. I think that the reason all these people across the entire world had all these similar stories is because it's something true, which is the dragon and and also the importance of of chaos and the sea, which obviously even more so than Behemoth is is relevant with Leviathan, who is literally a sea beast, a sea monster, or whatever, um, is also a thread. Not just the presence of of a dragon that we associate with with um, you know the devil um, that that we can kind of trace from the beginning to the end of Scripture, but chaos and the sea before God sets the well. <laughs> makes everything and then sets it in order on the six days of creation. What do we have? We have the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, which are formless and void. They are they are in chaos. there's no order. Um, not getting into the the sort of structure of creation, but you have these formless and void waters that are chaotic because there's no form, they're empty and they're set in order. You have light. And then it's divided from the darkness, and then you have land, which is divided from the sea, and then you have you know sky, which is divided from the sea, and and that is then set you know delineated and set in order, and then filled, on the other days of creation with the fish and the birds and the and uh, the animals and the, and all that stuff. So you see in the stars and the sky and everything. So you see that is is a very common theme in all really uh, ancient religions, but but you see that happening in Genesis one. Um, And then you see this, so so you've got chaos and you've got this serpent in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Um, And then all, you know, skip ahead all the way to Revelation. And there's this weird little note that says that in the new heavens and the new earth, there's no sea. And that doesn't mean that God's going to get rid of water. That means chaos has been done away with. The, The forces of chaos, which we can, you know, I would say is synonym for, for our purposes. And our vantage point is the, the demonic forces of, um, you know, Satan, the fallen angels, whatever. Um, and not just in this sort of fantastical whatever, but, but what we identify as the spiritual forces of evil, um, they are done away with. Right. And why is it, why is it such a big deal that Jesus calms the storm on the sea? That's, it, it. He is manifesting the fact that he is the one who sets the waters in the waters of chaos in order, <laughs> and we have already read Psalms and 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 uh, Job and Isaiah. Who who does that? It's the God of Israel. So there's this there's this really really. This is why I say Leviathan makes a lot of sense and is really clear. There's there's within the cultural context of that region of the world as well as others. There's this very clear um, parallel to other. Um, Beasts from uh, religious and historical cultural texts, Um, but but more importantly, what that beast serves. Whether we're talking about Tiamat, whether we're talking about Lotan, whether we're talking about Leviathan, or even uh, Greek, Norse, or or Hindu mythology, we're talking about chaos and order, good and evil, right? Evil and good, and um, that's what's going on, and that. That is why God spent a whole chapter of Job being like, "Look at Leviathan, that's no big deal. I made him <laughs> this this coiled serpent that 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 is the sort of embodiment of chaos. He's he's the same to me as you are, you little speck of dust. Um, I have." Uh, control and sovereignty over the forces of chaos. And so that's all of that's to say. Um that's why I think Jerome is is basically right. And I cheated cuz I know what I know I see your notes, so I know where you're um the other schools of thought, but I I'm going to just, you know, come out and say it and and say that I'm going to on this mystery I'm going to land with Jerome mm. when it comes to these monsters Um, And they fit into this broader, you know, really universal human story um, of good and evil, order and chaos, uh, which, you know, to put a, to put a, just a a sort of a, to put your finger on it is, is the story of, of um, Christ overcoming our uh, sin and corruption and descent into nothingness. And bringing us back into relationship with God that we originally had, and we lost in in, in Eden. And um, I think it's it sounds pretty rad and metal for Jerome to be like, "Oh yeah, that that, that Leviathan is just Satan, who's that dragon who was in the garden." Um, but I think there's more to it than just um, sort of trying to piece together obscure passages. I think there's actually a very a very um, discernible thread through the story of redemption mm. that um that Leviathan slots very nicely into. <laughs> Ironically, the chaos monster slots in a very orderly fashion into <laughs> um, the story that God's telling, um, and enacting through our history. Um and I I didn't want I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I that was the only place where all of that fit. So i no, wanted that to was get to to talk about that
0: that was great and i almost feel like man end right there if you don't know how how you could end any better um I, I think i'll just mention a couple other things that i had here um i I had, I had looked a little bit at later jewish sources that again describe leviathan as the dragon who lives over the sources of the deep um and i kept seeing this this like made no sense to me i don't know exactly where this comes from but uh, so this creature leviathan along with the land monster behemoth will be served up to the righteous at the end of time i don't know if that meant like had been given up some some references almost made it seem like it was a meal that we would consume as though we were to to eat behemoth and leviathan do you know anything about that i think that's i
1: think that's right um that it is it is uh, given up to in the sense of given as a meal. Um, there's actually you know I mention this all the time and this is a great topic because this is kind of the the stuff they do all the time. But the Lord of Spirits podcast has an episode on Leviathan. Oh, nice. Um, and I remember I remember I, I I don't remember where that where that fits or or uh, the explanation of it, but I I do remember them talking about that. So I think it is correct that at least in that. Um, later jewish tradition it it does refer to giving in the sense of eating Hmm. which is also (laughs) pretty pretty savage (laughs) yeah that's then
0: similarly uh the book of enoch i believe somewhere around uh chapter 67 through 9 describes the viathan as a female monster i don't know if that makes a difference but a female monster dwelling in the watery abyss while behemoth is a male monster living in the desert um, I'm not going to butcher how to say this, of du- Duyadin, basically it means east of Eden. Um, so again, I, I, like we've been saying all along on this episode is the, these two creatures, Behemoth and Leviathan, as these epitomes uh, almost of, of chaos, this thing that is untamable, this thing that is somewhat even beyond our, our comprehension um, as being this uh, this other force that that God is yet still sovereign over. And there's any number of, you know, lessons that we can extrapolate from that. Um, but to, I think, sort of bring it home, to, to, to bring this to an end, what better way to to think about Job 40 and Job 41? Again, in the context of Job, if, if you've never read Job, like you should probably just go and sit and read it in one sitting because it's great. It might take you a while. Um, but the the very quick high level is that Job is this man who... Uh, is basically really righteous. Uh, Satan goes before God somehow and is like, I want to tempt Job and God allows it other than taking Job's life. And so uh, the devil basically um, destroys everything that Job holds and loves near and dear. His his children die. Um, I think like, you know, in-law children die um uh, his 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 cattle his land like his his possessions all are gone and so job is almost left with nothing but these friends of his and and his wife um who who you know at different times try to speak into his situations try to comfort him bring him some sort of um uh you know reprieve in these difficult days but but throughout the book, Job is really wrestling with, uh, with, with death, with losing things, with thinking that you know I'm this righteous man. I've, I've, I've lived and I've obeyed. Why are these things happening to me? And so that's sort of like the again very high level context of what is going on when God directly talks to Job, in Job 40 and 41. And so to help him remember his place in the world, God points to him basically the two mightiest creatures. The behemoth on land and the le- Leviathan in the sea. So, as we've said, these you know these animals are incredibly powerful. They're probably frightening to behold. I mean, if Leviathan actually has several heads, I, I can't picture any other animal that has sev- several heads. But it sounds pretty freaky to me. The these weren't pets. You know, I've got cats. I mentioned them. Sometimes you hear them on air. F- first of all, cats are like apex predators that eat little bits of kibble out of a bowl and throw it up. I don't understand that. Like, but anyway, Leviathan and behemoth are not that they are not someone's pets. Uh, although maybe you could say they're gods. God's the only one who could pierce the nose, who can tame Leviathan, who can tame behemoth. Um, and so the pride and glory of man paled in comparison to the dreadful, untamable strength of the behemoth and Leviathan. So how much more humble is man in God's presence? Um, and I think that's kind of the, the, the point of this passage, right, is that neither Job nor anyone has the right to criticize God's work or what God does in the world. The one who created behemoth is worthy of our reverence, of our awe and our worship. The the one who who, who created these giant creatures who... Uh, keeps them in check, the one who's, like you said, Jesus calms the storm, the one who has the voice to to calm the waves and the waters, to to even walk upon them. We're not even talking about calming. We're talking about a man who walked on them, which is, again, another picture to me of of conquering chaos, of conquering our sin. I mean, to to literally walk upon that which is chaotic, that you as a normal man cannot walk on. You have to be in some sort of vessel that is in constant uh peril almost i mean any any shift in winds or waves or creatures can take your vessel and capsize you or destroy it or you know puncture the hull or whatever um yet jesus walks on these waters who who tames behemoth and leviathan and man that is i mean at the end of at the end of time when we stand before our lord he is the one who whom we worship um and similarly, he is the one who ought to be who, who ought to be feared, who ought to be revered as as more powerful, um, more mighty than these 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 creatures. And I guess one of the last things I'll say, because I'm just generally curious. Like I know it doesn't matter per se, um, but I am kind of curious what these creatures are, because if nothing else, I so let, let me just say there there are sort of like three. Well, there's several, but three interpretations of what could be going on here, right? Um, so, like, behemoth and Leviathan very well could be natural, um, just, like, modern animals that exist today, even. Like, it, this, we could be talking about a hippopotamus and a crocodile. Uh, I believe some translations will even call these animals that. A hippo and a crocodile. Um, so, that's sort of number one, right? Number two is
1: that these crocodiles noted (laughs) multi-headed
0: snakes that breathe fire i'm not saying it's consistent with what we see in the text i'm just saying what people have tried to say (laughs) no i know i'm not making fun of you
1: i'm making fun of. that's why i say with the dinosaur thing like i just think it's a dumb path to choose to take because it's like it's like clearly it's not a crocodile
0: right Uh, yeah you might not like
1: it you might it might it might be convenient but like we got to we got to at least reckon with the fact that Jobs not talking about a crocodile.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and the fact that how many people actually do probably have crocodiles as pets. The, the, it is very tameable. I could put a hook through a crocodile if I really wanted to. I mean, I won't. Very tameable,
1: <laughs> very tameable, and also like very cookable and delicious. Right. So exactly. maybe it, maybe it is because it's it would be given up to the saint. Okay, uh, maybe, maybe there it is. Maybe I'm persuaded.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's number one: natural animals in the world, whatever. Number two is that the this could be, um, sort of like poetic, uh, a poetic invention of, of the author of Job. Um, so perhaps if it was Job himself or somebody else, whoever wrote this account, um, you know, is, is writing about what was said by God and God was using poetic nature or sorry, poetic language to describe something in nature. Um, like maybe, I don't know like I don't really know how I feel about that one because it's like it, when when God's talking to Job it seems like these are two things that Job would be familiar with because he was talking about other animals like you mentioned that would be fam- familiar to Job um and and then lastly is that Behemoth and Leviathan were both separate you know mythical chaos beasts and mythical doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't exist it just means that we do not maybe know how to categorize them they're these they're these other types of creatures that maybe be, maybe go beyond our comprehension or in our modern understanding. Um, and that's sort of like where I want to fall. I, I kind of want to think that these are somewhat mythical. They're a little bit elusive in nature. Maybe maybe they're not even on the earth anymore. I don't, that I don't know. but what I'm saying is these were creatures that were of such magnitude that I don't think we can come to some direct comparison uh, to some modern equivalent. I don't know how you feel, but I at least wanted to say that, that like these things are so mysterious that like they're, they're these mysterious chaos beasts and I don't know what they are.
1: I think, I think that's the best. I think that's a really those like whatever version of each of those three um, you want to land on like, Oh, it's not a hippo. It's a, whatever, you know, like whatever version of, of that. um, I think those are really helpful, like sort of, uh categories for for trying to think about like how we want to interpret these verses but i think i think that that like i said before you know with with what jerome was saying in in that com in his commentary on that psalm and and following this through line of of these monstrous you know i like how you say like chaos monster chaos beast like i think that's i think that that um Words come to mind like mythical, in in the sense that you said, not in the sense of like fake, because that's not really what myth means. But mythical, um, supernatural, uh, demonic, in, in a broad sense, you know, like these are the kinds of, of adjectives that I think of that I think fit, uh, or, or or you know, could or should fit in in um, trying to come up with. Uh, ways of, of of identifying these, like you said, very elusive, um, monsters, yeah. you know, because um, and I think even the word monster is good because, yeah, you know, for sure. we usually talk about monsters as, as these sort of, um, there's, there's a certain shroud around them, you know, uh, like they're not just scary or strong or dangerous, but they're also, there's also that, that sense of, of mystery, um. So I don't know, like, even as I say this
0: month, that's why we that's why we wanted to talk about it.
1: Exactly. So, you know, I'm trying to push the the very loose connection between this month and how popular true crime investigation podcasts are. So, like, on the one hand, I want to I want to make a joke about, you know, Again, we've cracked another case and come to the bottom of it, and we figured it out, and we've got all the answers and the data and the evidence laid out. But on the other hand, part of part of my answer, like you're saying, is there's this there's this uh, elusive mystery that's going on to where these these (laughs) these these creatures are unsolvable mystery. Yeah, these creatures are are serving. a functional role in this broader story of redemption. And that's why they show up the way that they do where they do, when they do, that's kind of how I want to answer it. So like mm. it's an answer in the you know, a sense, like if someone comes up to me and says, you know, what's up with Leviathan? I was reading Job. What's what's like now, like, like having thought through and prepared for this episode, I feel like now I could actually answer that question hmm. instead of just like, yeah, man, that's crazy. It's pretty wild. <laughs> how there's a sea monster you know, Whatever, like, I I think that there is a, there is a, a, an answer for, an answer in the sense of, like, there's a purpose. It's not just, like, this random, you know, chapter that that just doesn't really mean anything. It's just kind of there, and it's interesting. Um, No, it's definitely more than that, but not an answer in the sense of, like, oh, yeah, Job was a guy talking about a hippo, and it can kind of, like, you know sweep that. I feel like both of those answers are the, are, it's the same answer. It's, right. it's giving up and not really trying to answer what, mm. what, what's really going on. And I think that's, um, I think that uh, this was a fun one. Agreed. And um, we've more or less, you know, sort of both, both of these so far, you know, we, we've kind of, I, don't, I wonder, I don't want to spoil what the future topics are. I wonder if we'll come to different conclusions about any of these, topics because because we we've pretty much agreed just like that the when you think it through it kind of the kind of you know with the woman and kind of adultery and, and canon questions more broadly and then this like we're we've been on the same page so far maybe that's just because we're such a, a great uh dynamic you know, duo the, the, the dynamic investigation yeah uh duo
0: squad that well, I we're think... just so good at I think research. we've picked such good <laughs> we've picked such good topics that all fit into our, into this theme that we had, and I've I've felt like mystery month didn't quite capture it like prior to going into this month, but as I've like mm-hmm. actually now that we're in the month and we've had two of the discussions out of the four, I really do feel like we're still left with mystery because we haven't solved anything. Mm. I haven't told you definitively that I found out that Behemoth is. Uh, a yeah, stegosaurus or something, right? Like we we still don't. It's <laughs> right. not like we we know what these things are. So this this mystery still exists, and the answer eludes us. But I think that's the point. Like we don't have the answers yeah. to everything.
1: And it, I think that's a fun little like inadvertent wordplay yeah. that we've we've stumbled on, where we're we're riffing on like solving mysteries and like investigating and. Gathering data and then put it, piecing it together to come up with an answer. Um, you know, what's up with this story in John's Gospel? It doesn't look like it, it's supposed to be here. So why is it here? Let's let's get to the bottom of it. And then at the end, we kind of are left with this broader discussion where we've 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 answered some questions, but we're left with these bigger questions of, you know, we're talking about from our perspective, you know, and if you don't share this, you're still obviously welcome here, but God's in holy inspired text. And there's definitely going to be some mystery in, in a, the more theological sense um, where you're, you're, you're piecing together. These are these very big issues relating to how God gives us his literal words, hmm. his holy scriptures. And then here, we can piece together, we can solve the mystery in the sense of like a, you know, like law and order mystery. We can, we can, we can solve the case of like, oh, this is what, this is my case for what I think Behemoth and Leviathan are. But that, that, that all that is, is, is pointing us, you know, in the case that we've landed on, is just pointing us to the, the mystery in that theological sense of, you know, got jesus's power over over the forces of chaos and the the role that these beasts have in our in 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 our world or or don't have or do have or you know like there's there's sort of this word play where we're 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 solving the the quote-unquote mysteries of that you know these topics we've chosen that are kind of bizarre or confusing or questionable and those quote-unquote solutions leave us face-to-face sort of in reverence before the mysteries of um, these topics that we're getting into in terms of um, trying to, you know, plumb the depths of these divine and spiritual realities that, that you know, we're just trying to grasp <laughs> with our puny little human brains. So I, I don't know, that seems like a... a like. We didn't plan, or at least I didn't plan that, but I think that it um, it, it is a funny little pun that uh, solving mysteries in one sense really just leaves you with a greater awareness of the bigger mysteries in another sense that, yeah. are, um,
0: that are present, uh, whether we're aware of them or not. For know. sure. And, you know, by now, I'm sure our listeners have aged hundreds of years, and they're probably done wanting to, you know, wanting, listening to our, our voices ramble <laughs> on even further. Um, but I, I, you know, you guys, you guys have made it 53 minutes or whatever through this, but I almost want to hit you with a bonus episode unplanned because I, it's going to be just like briefly, dude, like oh. as briefly as we can. We, we, we've never really mm-hmm. done this before, but as we were talking, it just had me thinking like m- maybe we need to do a whole episode on this, but what is the deal with dinosaurs like it, whether behemoth was a dinosaur or not is not what i'm saying necessarily um but like when you think about these fossils that have been found like these just gigantic what seem like you know huge prehistoric creatures like from your perspective, right now, putting you on the spot, what do you make of 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 those things of, of dinosaurs in particular? Do you think that the Earth actually is millions upon millions of years old? Do you think that these creatures were created on the couple, you know, first couple of days of creation and uh, were destroyed in a flood or in volcanoes or other cataclysmic events? Like, what's the deal? Uh, or and this is something I I don't know if there's much like. I don't know if I have much to stand on here, but like, what if God created the world with fossils already in the earth? Like, what if they never existed on the earth, and fossils just are in the earth for one reason or another, just to just no, to confuse us God. even more?
1: Satan planted the fossils to challenge our faith. Oh no, no, no! Put so on the spot, <laughs> yeah. on the spot, fully aware that that this is the very beginning of scratching the surface of working all of this out. Right. So feel like push back, you know, either you right now or listeners who, who this ruffles feathers. I don't think this would ruffle many feathers for the kinds of people that are probably mostly interested in, in what we have to say, but I mean, and maybe this will ruffle your, I don't know. I mean, like the short answer is just whatever you, whatever you learned in school is what I think. Like they were, I'm going to make this as, as provocative as, as I can um, on purpose, but My on-the-spot answer is these are these colossal life forms that evolved over millions of years and died out and then their bones fell into, you know, sediment. And through these chemical processes that happen, the bones were preserved and then we found them when we dig stuff up. Um, Like I said... The very beginning of, a, of 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 various cans of worms.
0: Um, Let's do an episode but, soon on dinosaurs. I'd love to. I mean, it's maybe not like biblical in the sense that we don't have direct biblical evidence, but I think we can approach this from a, a, a theological perspective, I and mean, that's what we're all about, right? Oh, for sure. And I
1: mean this 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 is the kinds of these are the kinds of questions that you know we we've done episodes. We we did an episode dedicated to like creation and yeah, looking did, at. Yeah looking at that. And I mean, we've definitely touched on, um, I feel like, you know, like we talk about Genesis one a lot. I feel like just, it's, it's, which, I mean, I guess, I guess you would, if you are a Christian, (laughs) it's, it's kind of the, literally the beginning of everything. But like, I, I think that, um, the, you know, it's, it's one of those questions that the reason I say it's a can of worms is it's one of those questions that, that sort of points to and, and highlights a lot of other it gets out it gets out a lot of presuppositions right like you can't you can't really answer it on its own hmm. you know what I mean like because for me to say um, oh yeah they, they're the bones of these big lizards that lived 300 million years ago I can't I can't give that answer without saying or without inevitably raising the question of okay, you know, if the earth is that old, what are we, what about humans or whatever? you know, or, um, you know, on what day did God create them? Okay? well, that 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 presupposes, um, you know, oh, for like a stegosaurus or whatever it would have had to be day six because that's when he created the the you know, the, the things that live on the land and the creeping things and all that kind of stuff., uh, okay. Does that where does that first of all where does that match up with like, what, what the scientific consensus is on on when these different dinosaurs that lived in the ocean or in the land live blah 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 that they would be on different days okay well okay well God created humans at the end of the six days so so we're t- whatever we want to say oh okay so day means a really long time or whatever but like how long can day be if you're saying that you know and I mean I I don't think I, I think. <laughs> I think, I think whatever we've, we've talked about, we've talked about creation. We've talked about different views of creation. So I don't think that the, that the, like all those questions about the sixth day, just for me are just non-starters. Cause I don't think that's what's going on in Genesis one. But so anyway, the point is that that's why I think it's, 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 it's very much a theological question. And also um, <laughs> uh, forget about, forget about what you want to say about dinosaurs or what you want to say about Genesis one, or what you want to say about how old the earth is like, not forget about it in the sense that it doesn't matter. I think some of those questions matter more than others, but but sort of sort of a theology, uh, you, you know, like theology uh, in um, and you know some people probably aren't interested in this, but I don't think you can really be a serious thinker and not be interested in this. Um, so what what is a philosophy of science um, and that you have, where your theology interfaces with science, and, and science—I hate the, i hate using the term science like that. Um, what what is a theology that interfaces, or what what is what 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 conclusions do you bring to, and not even conclusions, but what presuppositions are you interacting with when you engage? Like, is that like what is a philosophy of science? What is a what is a philosophical theology? What what is a what is a interaction? between paleontology and um, geology and um, not necessarily biblical studies, but theology, right? And, and that's where I'm really interested because, you know, I'm less of a of a biblical studies kind of guy and more of a theology person, but like because they're, 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 this is more important than just like, oh, how do I what is the what is the correct you know, wh- what's the collection of of assertions I can make that make coherent sense of what I think the scientific consensus is, what the 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 Bible is saying, and how these things fit together in a way that is logical and reasonable. Like before you get to that you know list of conclusions that you want to draw that you think is is coherent, what are the presuppositions on the foundations of what are we going to do with? What does it mean to you that, there is a, you know, consensus among paleontologists that this fossil comes from a creature that was alive 300 million years ago. Because before you talk about what you do with that, like what what does that what does that claim or assertion mean? What like what what does paleontology mean to a theological discussion of the origins of life or? Or whatever, and and I think that these are this is why it's interesting to talk about dinosaurs because now we're talking about stuff that's way bigger than just what's a dinosaur or like how did it get there, um, and that's why I think it's a really valid. It, it, it it's it's it maybe sounds like the kind of conversations I had in high school that were probably very silly and meaningless <laughs> at that time, uh, of you know when did God make a dinosaur? You can have a very silly answer to that, but it's not a silly question. You know, it's like saying, it's like anything else that we talk about um, when we're talking about God. How does God save somebody's soul? What's up with, how does God become a man, right? Like any of these questions, um, because they're dealing with, they're dealing with, you know, mega throwback. You, the very first thing you said on air, uh, maybe that's not true, (laughs) <laughs> Maybe it was the second thing you said on air. Uh, on this show back, you know, pre-COVID, if you can believe it, was that theology is a revelation of reality. Or or, mm. or we might want to say, like, a, the truest revelation of reality is is theology is coming to uncover that true revelation. Not that we'll do that fully or perfectly, but, well, dinosaur bones exist in reality. You know what I mean? Like, they're out there. So... I don't think that it's untheological to, or unsophisticated to be like, well, hey, this is what I believe, and this is what I say that I am about when it to- comes to doing theology. What do you do with a dinosaur bone? What do you do with a stegosaurus? And that leads to all these other questions that are really, really, uh, you know, more abstract, but you kind of need to work through them to get to the question of, oh, that bone, you know, God made that in the Earth's crust, for some purpose, versus oh, dinosaurs just died out a lot more recently than people think, or that that than some people think because the Earth is younger than than some people think, versus uh, no, I read Genesis one in a way that's perfectly consistent with with the mainstream consensus of modern you know geology, paleontology, archaeology astrology no oh, no I'm sorry astronomy <laughs> um <laughs> same thing uh, <laughs> uh, physics chemistry all that kind of stuff yeah um and I don't know you know I, I don't I mean I mean that's you know sorry that uh, you, you put me on the spot and I just <laughs> that was did, that, was did great. that which I guess is the danger of putting me putting me on the spot is that I don't really have a filter so I, I knew just the rest trust me I just ramble until I until I uh figure out how to say my reaction but well, i'll um, just stop you. Wh- what's a di- what's dinosaur you tell me what's up with dinosaurs
0: well you know what we've i think we've uh, teased our listeners enough they're gonna have to come back to another episode because i want to do a more in-depth and informed discussion okay. on this because i am very intrigued by what you said and i have a lot of things that i i want to contribute but you know what it's already we've already gone an hour and four Uh, so let's call it here we're gonna we're gonna leave our listeners with a little bit of mystery as to what jens thinks about what lucas has said so it's fitting (laughs) also the first thing i said on the podcast apart from our introduction was we are your new best friends i do remember that because like i didn't know what to say it was our first episode we're like we hit record and we're like i guess we're doing this um so we are your new best friends and i hope that's still true um anyway Let's close with a word of, uh, of prayer from Psalm 104. Uh, this is a passage that directly mentions Leviathan. Uh, I think you should go and read all of Psalm 104 because it is great, but I'm going to start in verse 24 and it says, How countless are your works, Lord! In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures, literally possessions. I think that's interesting. The world is full of your possessions. Here is the sea vast and wide, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both small and large, there are uh, there the ships move about and Leviathan, which you formed to play there. I love that word of to play there, Leviathan playing in the sea. All of them wait for you to give them their food at the right time. When you give it to them, they gather it. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your breath, or literally your spirit, they are created and you renew the surface of the ground. May the uh, the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. uh, He touches the mountains and they pour out smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God while I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him. I rejoice in the Lord. May sinners vanish from the earth and wicked people be no more. My soul, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Man, someone
1: should really just read the Bible, you know.
0: Mm. It's so good. Who who needs the valley of vision when you have the Psalms? Talk about a real valley. (sighs) It's so good. Right? Well, we just want to say thank you first and foremost for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. Thank you for listening to the little bonus uh, that Lucas gave us there at the end as well, if you've made it this far. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and very rarely on Instagram at Doxology Podcast. Or you can send us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We love your questions, feedback, ideas for future episodes. You know, maybe you want to talk about dinosaurs. Maybe you're a paleontologist. Or maybe you've just always been fascinated by dinosaurs. Let us know. Maybe we'll invite you into our conversation about dinosaurs and have a little bit of an interview or something. Let us know. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you. We, we appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, be well.